0: Episode 19, Moon Rocks from Gift Shops. I'm Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a January 3rd, 2007 podcast from the Kansas State Historical Society. In this biweekly podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. In today's episode, museum director Bob Kekeisen tries to convince me that three grains of sand are actually moon rocks gathered during the first lunar landing. He will explain what the rocks are made of, and surprisingly, it's not cheese, and finally, relate what it was like to watch the celestial event from a hotel pool. I'm talking to Bob Kekeisen, Museum Director at the Kansas Museum of History, and Bob, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about some uh, moon rocks we have in the collection. Okay. And um, first, you want to just kind of describe what the moon rocks look like, because, I mean, it's more than just some rocks, right?
1: Yeah, this is actually an assemblage that we received from the governor's office. Um, That's who it was originally presented to, and actually... When we say moon rocks, they're more like moon chips more than anything else. They're um, kind of like cinders. They're more the size of maybe like driveway gravel. Mm -hmm. And they are set in a plastic hemisphere, which is attached to a presentation plaque um, that was uh, given to the state of Kansas. When the Apollo 11 mission landed on the moon, they took with them four-inch by six-inch flags of each of the 50 states. And then when they returned to Earth and brought samples of the moon rocks with them, uh, these little chips were put in these lucite hemispheres. They made little mounts with them, mounted it above the flag. And then President Richard Nixon presented those to each to the governors of each of the states. Mm-hmm. So our governor at the time, Robert Docking, uh, received... Uh, this assemblage of the moon rocks on our Kansas flag, which had flown to the moon, uh, that was presented in a White House ceremony in December of 1969.
0: These rocks were um, gathered near the Sea of Tranquility. How much water is in the Sea of Tranquility? Um, no. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, okay. there's,
1: a, there's no water.
0: <laughs> what, uh, what are these rocks made of?
1: Well, the moon rocks, basically, the ones we have are... Um, kind of a combination of a crystalline rock uh, glass and what's called breccia and breccia is kind of a sedimentary rock it's more of a term for um, rock fragments that are um, a conglomerate of other rocks that are that are held together with um, you know um, I don't know some sort of um, substrate I don't know what you would call it but anyway uh, I'm not I'm not a geologist I don't
0: know yeah I'm just do you think you think you'd, is like similar would you find similar material on earth? Yeah, you that... could the,
1: the the sedimentary rock this breccia and the crystalline rock you will find similar things, you know, on earth, but the, um, these uh there are I think some indications that um, um, the structure is similar, but you know, the exact difference I really couldn't say. Okay.
0: Um on May 25th, 1961, uh President Kennedy made the following statement.
1: I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal, before this decade is out, of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth.
0: Because no- it's a little fuzzy. Um, you, can you summarize what it was he said? Um, uh, what and Why did he have this uh, – why did he state the goal in there? And why was this goal important to American presidents?
1: Well, at the time – Um, We're involved in the space race with the Soviet Union, and this is also the time of the Cold War, and there's a lot of competition between uh, the United States scientific community and the Russian scientific community. Um, At this point in time, the Russians had already beaten us into space. Uh, They launched Sputnik. First satellite in 1957, they had put the first human being into space, Yuri Gagarin, in 1961. So basically, the Soviets are kicking our butts mm-hmm. in space, and uh, this is a time when uh, we, in the United States, felt like we you know should assert ourselves in the space race. And Kennedy felt that we needed a big goal, you know, that uh, just putting another person into space wasn't going to do it. So you know, he makes the statement. Again, this is 1961. He says by the end of this decade, so he's giving this country less than nine years mm-hmm. to get somebody on the moon, which is which is pretty incredible. But I think there's also, in addition to just the competition with um, the Soviets, I think there is something to be said for sort of a visionary, inspiring goal, which is what you know a good leader does: gives people goals and and says this is something we want to achieve, and that big picture, that big idea is important. Um, not too long after uh, probably in the next year I think it's nineteen sixty two uh, Kennedy gives a speech at Rice University and he said we choose to go to the moon we choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do other things not because they are easy but because they are hard you know so you know setting that big goal and saying this is something we can achieve it gives the nations you know something to focus on something to pull together with and um, you know. I think it's, a, it's it's an admirable thing for a leader to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew of the Apollo 11 mission collected these fragments. Um, what was the Apollo program, and how did it differ from some of the previous programs like the Mercury program and the Gemini program?
1: Well, the Apollo program actually started in 1960. A lot of the, the space programs overlapped with one another a little bit, and Apollo was the one that eventually took missions to the moon. But uh, the manned space flight started with the Mercury program, in 1958, and their goals, you know, got increasingly more complex. Uh, the The Mercury missions were essentially to put a spacecraft up with a crew and put it into orbit, um, to kind of take a look at how humans performed in space, and then probably most importantly, recover the crew and the spacecraft afterwards. Um, It was just designed for one person to fly in, and there were 10 crewed flights in the Mercury program. That lasted until about 63. It overlaps slightly with the next... Generation, which is the uh, not to make a Star Trek reference there, but uh, with which is the Gemini program, and Gemini is the aptly named program because it sends two people into space. That was clever. I didn't even know that
0: until you told me that a little bit ago.
1: And everybody thinks scientists are just as boring, you know, (laughs) right? A lot, but anyway, Gemini puts two people into space, and its goal was to lengthen the time in space up to two weeks, again to see how humans performed in the space environment. Gemini was designed to rendezvous with other orbiting um, vehicles, and that was going to be important because they were planning the missions to go to the moon, where you would have to have both the lunar module and the command module. Mm -hmm. And there were um, 12 separate Gemini flights, crewed flights, that went up. And that lasted until about 66. And the Apollo mission, or Apollo program had started before Gemini ended. As I said, Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo overlap one another to some extent. And Apollo's goal was to put a man on the moon. Um, it was to carry out scientific exploration of the moon and to try and develop some capacity, you know, to actually to work on the moon. Um, there were 12 Apollo missions, um, the first Apollo mission was the really tragic one, where uh, the three astronauts died in a fire on mm-hmm. on the, on the uh, launching pad.
0: Right, the rocket that the rocket didn't get off. the Never got pad. off the
1: launching pad. And in fact, it was um, I think it was actually only named Apollo One later. Um, but there were twelve separate Apollo flights. Not all went to the moon. Uh, obviously, you know Apollo Eleven is the first one to make it to the moon. Um, seven were actual moon. Uh, missions to get people to the moon. Six made it, as I think most people uh, have heard about Apollo 13, which is the, uh-huh. the uh, Apollo mission that didn't make it to the moon uh, because of the uh, mechanical malfunction they had about halfway. They had to go around the moon, slingshot around it, and come back. And uh, all three astronauts did return safely. Uh, but, you know, a really tense time for the Apollo program. But then they went up through Apollo 17 uh, with the last moon landings coming in 1972.
0: In addition to 1 million people at the launch site, an estimated 6 million people viewed the July 20th lunar landing on television. Mm-hmm. Um, why were so many people watching?
1: Well, again, in 1969, this is a huge deal. I mean, you know, we've, Kennedy has set this goal in 61. Uh, the space program really captured a lot of people's imaginations. Um, you know, I was uh, 14 at the time of the moon landing in 1969, and I remember as, as a young boy just being fascinated with the space program. A lot of my friends were. And it was just, you know, the thing. I mean, uh, right now, you know, when a shuttle launches, sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people don't even read about it until the day afterwards, or maybe when it lands. Oh gosh, there was a space shuttle up uh, back then. You know, rocket launches and uh, you know were a big deal no matter what they were doing. But this was you know everybody knew Apollo Eleven was sending a man to the moon, so it was a huge deal.
0: Did you did you watch the Apollo Eleven launch or
1: landing on the moon? I don't remember watching the launch. I, I remember very vividly watching the landing. Uh, my family was on vacation in Texas, and the lunar module had landed on the moon about 3 o'clock central time, 3, 3.15, somewhere around in there. But the astronauts didn't get out of the module until about six, six and a half hours later. And I remember we don't even remember where we were on vacation, but I remember my brother and I were swimming in the motel swimming pool. And my parents had the TV on, and they promised us they would call us when they broke in to, to talk about the, the – astronauts coming out of the module and i remember you know dad stepping out on the balcony of the motel and saying you know it's getting ready to start and we raced in and you know sat on the edge of the bed in the motel Uh and that kind of grainy picture you know uh of neil armstrong walking down and uh, you know saying his you know famous you know that's one small step for a man one giant leap for mankind it was it was just gave you goosebumps it was it was just a very vivid memory for me
0: that had, i mean that's just that had to be a really interesting experience i mean at that point you would have I don't know. I would have thought anything was possible yeah. after. My goodness, you you put a man on the moon. Yeah,
1: it really was. It was inspiring. It was. Uh, I remember, you know, watching it, and the uh, broadcast ended, and they went to the news or whatever it was afterwards. And walking outside the room onto the balcony and looking up at the moon and, and knowing get, that there's
0: somebody standing there. There's up. two guys
1: up there. Yeah. It was so surreal yeah. just to sit there and think, "Wow, there, there's people up there." I was. It was. Um, you know, just. Unlike anything else I'd experienced. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, that was then. And mm-hmm. now, in 2006, um, 2006 construction began on Spaceport America in the New Mexico desert. Um, this project is sort of a private venture to facilitate uh, uh, space travel. Do you think that this is the future of space travel now? Will people be... Uh, is it is it going to be reliant on private industry? Will people be purchasing moon rocks uh from the gift shops? <laughs> well, I don't
1: know if they'll actually be purchasing moon rocks because I think, you know, travel to the moon is obviously incredibly complicated. You know, the no one's been back to the moon for, you know, well, getting close to forty years now. Uh I think it's so complicated that I think the future of space travel may well be in private hands. Um I can't ever see it being like a tourist destination and maybe I'm just one of those people that, you know, ah, you know, man will never fly and ah, that will never happen. But I think the technology advanced so quickly and you haven't seen um, the same type of advancement in the last few years that you did early on in terms of technological advancement. Uh, you know, I, I liken this to when people first started flying in airplanes. I mean, you, you figure people are flying, you know open cockpit biplanes in the First World War to, mm-hmm. so, you know, 19-teens. Well, by the 1940s, you know, some 30, 40 years later, people are, you know, traveling in commercial aircraft fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. And within 50 years, it's, you know, uh, pretty common practice. Well, you know, sending a person into space is still a huge deal, and I just can't see that that's going to become something that you just go down and, you know, plunk your credit card down and say, hey, I want to go to the space station. Mm-hmm. I do think it's going to happen, though, but I do think it'll be more of the adventure travelers, the people that, you know, just have more money than, well, I shouldn't say more money in the sense. I'd like to go up in space, and I like to think I'm sensible, but, uh, but I do think it's going to be one of those things where it's just going to be sort of an adventure travel for people that are exceedingly wealthy, uh, but I do think there's a role for private industry in space, you know.
0: Uh, finally, some skeptics uh, here at the museum, um, namely myself, uh, <laughs> doubt that these rocks came from the moon. They, I, think the rocks were gathered from a parking lot in the Arizona desert. What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, I think um, you can probably discuss this at your lunch with Elvis and Marilyn and uh, John Kennedy. Uh, but,
0: well, uh, we will. It was top yeah, of the
1: list. Uh, no, there's there are a number of people who believe that all of the moon landings were faked. And all you have to do is get on the internet and, you know, type in, you know, fake moon landing in any search engine and you'll get hundreds of hits. Um... There was a Gallup poll about five years ago that said up to six percent of the United States uh, population believes the moon landings were faked. Really, six um, percent—that's 6%. 6%. 6%. Like pretty substantial. Yeah, to... that works out to millions of people. Yeah, actually, um, and statistically, I think you know you can almost get six percent of people to say almost anything. But still, I think it, it shows that there's a significant. Uh, um, distrust maybe of government and the space program and anything else out there but it's it's been a, a popular theory for a long time in fact there was a um, movie in 1978 called capricorn one uh, featuring one of your favorite actresses karen black
0: oh, uh, yeah.
1: and oj simpson so hey you know karen black and well that's a star a stellar yeah, cast right there. Uh, but it wasn't a moon landing it was a mission to mars And they had all sorts of problems with it, and they couldn't afford to lose face, so they faked the landing on Mars, Um, and it's kind of a cheesy movie. But there's a lot of people that think that's what happened with the moon landing, that because of the problems with Apollo 1, the fire on the launch pad, um, there's people that just don't believe the technology advanced so quickly between manned space flight in 1961 and landing on the moon in 69, they said, oh, this couldn't have happened. It all had to be faked. And uh, like a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, they've you know, got their photographs that they say, oh, look here, you can see this is a prop. You can see, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was supposedly some woman in Australia who watched a live feed of the uh, moon landing uh, that said she saw a Coke bottle in the corner. Oh, yeah? picture, although product placement. Really yeah, there you go. <laughs> Early product placement. So yeah, it's uh, there There are um, lots of folks out there that believe moon landings were faked. I don't happen to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think our moon rocks are real and they're, yeah. they're on exhibit in the main gallery and we hope people get a chance to come out and see them.
0: Okay, well thanks for answering uh, some questions about
1: our moon rocks. It's my pleasure. <laughs>
0: That's one small podcast for Bob, one long interview for Merle. That concludes episode 19, Moon Rocks from Gift Shops. Come back in two weeks when Rebecca Martin, the museum's assistant director, goes hunting for a German-speaking soldier who journeyed back to Kansas 20 years after his death on a European battlefield. This podcast is a production of the Kansas State Historical Society.